0: Back in 2019, I took a team of youth to Mexico City. We were partnering with a local church down there, right in the heart of the city. We weren't entirely sure what our trip was going to look like, but we knew prayer ministry was going to be a part of it. On the first day, the local pastor said we were just going to walk around, get a feel for the area, so we thought we were going to go for a walk. Well, a couple of hundred meters down, we stopped at a shelter. The pastor knocked on the door and asked if anyone wanted to be prayed for. A number of people piled out excitedly that a group of Canadian Christians were there to pray for them. My teens were a little stunned, but a number of us fumbled through some prayers with translators and we carried on our way. One of the ladies we prayed for had a sizable tumor and polyps in her legs. Her legs were quite swollen. They had ping pong like bulges, not the prettiest of sights. Well, we didn't think much of it. We continued on our trip until four days later, we went back there with some food and an expectation to pray some more. That lady came out very excited, and she said she had just been to the doctor. Her tumor had shrunk significantly, and her legs were healing and were half the size they were four days earlier. She was like, who prayed for me? We kind of looked around, not really sure, and she pointed to one of the students and said, you. And then a whole bunch of people piled around that student asking for prayer. That student, of course, was bewildered because he knew they had very little to do with this, but simply asked in the name of Jesus that he would heal. So we prayed some more. Then two days later, we had church at a nearby park, and that same lady came with a big smile on her face and legs that were almost fully healed. She told us that she hadn't walked this far in a long time, and she was giving praise to God. On this trip, we did a fair amount of street ministry and had a front row seat to watch God move through prayer, which included people giving their lives to Jesus for the first time. Reflecting on the trip back home, one of the teens told her mother that it was like living in the book of Acts, being on mission, watching God move in the lives of people in real time. We're a part of a church that believes Jesus is alive and well today as the living God who continues to heal and transform people's lives in the present. The sermon is the second in our series called, After Resurrection, What? And today's message declares that because of Jesus' resurrection, we have hope for healing both in this life and the next. Humanity sees an untold amount of pain and suffering. It always has. Wars, disasters, disease, mental health, etc. There's a keen sense that life is not as it should be. It can be overwhelming. And many people in our own church community have faced devastating loss after loss. And this is a tension and a source of despair for many, and I want to uphold these people this morning who continue to mourn and wonder why some are healed and why some are not. We will circle back to this question later, but for now, we're going to turn to Acts chapter 3 to give us a framework for this. We'll start in verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. This is such a great interaction. Peter and John headed to a prayer meeting in the midst of a full season. Remember, just a little bit earlier, the Spirit had came at Pentecost, and the church grew from 12-ish people to 3,000 in an afternoon. That's a lot of discipleship to oversee. These guys must have been so busy rushing around from meeting to meeting, teaching, praying nonstop. And then on the way to another prayer meeting, there's a beggar sitting there asking for money. They stop. They look at the man. How often in our busy lives do we just walk past people doing our best not to make eye contact? But Peter and John stop. They tell the man to look at him. There's eye contact, ascribing dignity and value, a relational connection. Verse 6. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished, and they came running to them in a place called Solomon's Colonnade. This word, running, it jumped out at me this week. People from all around Jerusalem to see a man unable to walk from birth, running around. As I thought about this, I was thinking that for the prior three years, there were all kinds of reports of amazing, miraculous healings all around Judea by a man named Jesus. But recently, he was put to death. And since his death, The miraculous stopped. And now, just a few weeks later, one just like it was back, and the people were running, excited to see God at work. Carrying on in verse 12, When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. By faith in the name of the risen Jesus, healing is possible. And this includes healing in all areas of our lives. Spiritual healing, mental, emotional healing, relational healing, and of course, physical healing. Through Jesus Christ, we can have hope that our anxiety or depression won't have the last word. That our wrecked backs won't keep us in agony forever. In the Old Testament book of Exodus, the second book of the Bible, God reveals a new divine name of his. I am the Lord who heals you. One of God's very names is Healer. It's in His character, at the core of His being. It's what He does. The resurrection has opened the way for healing through prayers of faith in the community of Jesus' followers. This isn't a magical prayer formula, but it's simply how the Bible instructs and shows us to pray. In the name of Jesus, be healed. Last December, I was reading a scripture about receiving a new body in the new creation to a man in our church who was on his deathbed. Cancer in his lungs was crowding out his ability to breathe. Death appeared to be imminent. But an army of people were praying, and death has not come. And just this last week, I went for a 45-minute walk with this man. No oxygen tank was needed. We even walked up hills. While the cancer is not gone, and the diagnosis in the long term isn't certain, that walk was and is a miraculous healing. To quote the Apostle Paul in Acts 17, God himself gives everyone life and breath, for in him we live and move and have our being. And I've heard many stories of all kinds of healings, tumors disappearing, bones being put back in place, metal rods in someone's back to keep their spine from further deformity disappearing in a worship service simple to incredible stories. But if you're like me, often my first reaction to stories of the miraculous is, ah, I don't know about that. Are you telling me the whole truth? Are you sure there's not some sort of other explanation? I tend to be skeptical about these things. Doubt about anything supernatural creeps in. But as I often remind myself, I can't be blinded by the naturalistic worldview that permeates our society. This is a view that says the physical world is all there is. They say there's no spiritual reality, no spiritual reality that has the ability to break into our physical world. Those who hold this view often say, I trust in science. Well, it's going to be a little challenging to do a scientific experiment on the spirit of God. The scientific method isn't likely to get you any consistent results. And yes, science is fantastic and has changed medicine in incredible ways, and I'm extremely thankful for our modern medical system. God gives us scientists and doctors in modern medicine, and we are free and encouraged to explore healing in this way. But if we are skeptical of miraculous healing, we have to ask ourselves, is our worldview blocking our view of the world? There are a ton of recorded miraculous healings, and even if one of them is true, that means a purely physical view of the world is false. There is a non-physical reality beyond what we can see and touch. And if you believe in God, that is what you believe in. And if God is the creator of all things, which we believe he is, there's no reason to think he can't rearrange some of it in a different way from time to time, is there? Now, let's look to some questions. How do we know if the healing is supernatural or not? Well, sometimes it's obvious. Jesus was dead. Now he's alive, touchable, eating fish. It doesn't get much more simple than that. Or, as in Acts chapter 3, a 40-year-old unable to walk since birth can now walk and jump around. Instantly, no surgery, no physio, medication, no health diet, healed on the spot. I do want to suggest, however, that there are no second-rate healings. A healing is a healing. Whether medically or miraculously or by our bodies' natural processes, God is the one who oversees our healing. Let's explore a hypothetical scenario from a physicist named Kirk Durston. Let's say your aunt had the flu, but her natural immune system will not be sufficient to save her. But of course, as humans, we don't have the privilege to that kind of information. That's definitely above our pay grade. But you pray for God to heal your aunt, and in a few days, she recovers. Now, natural processes heal people of the flu all the time. But in this particular case, and totally unbeknownst to you, those processes would not have been enough on their own without God's intervention. Your answer to her recovery would appear to be perfectly natural, even though divine involvement took place. Durston says, The implication is that the nature of this type of miracle is sufficiently complex and could be occurring thousands of times per day, and we would never know it. With this in mind, prayer may be, or is, more important than we realize. So let's keep praying. Like in hockey, if you don't shoot, you don't score. If we don't pray for healing, we're not likely to see any. So church, let's be bold and make it a practice to pray for healing of all kinds. Now, what about those who aren't healed? In the church I grew up in, a 20 and 40-year-old woman were both given grave diagnoses, Originally, the doctor said the 20-year-old was not likely, or the 20-year-old was likely to live, but the 40-year-old was probably not going to make it. But within a few months, the 20-year-old died, and then a little bit later, the 40-year-old was cancer-free and lived for another decade. Now, we believe God is a healer. We have faith that He will heal and that it is in His will to heal. We've prayed in faith, but sometimes healing doesn't come. Why are some healed and some not? And the answer, we do not know. We do not control God. Healing is His work from start to finish, and we cannot see things from His perspective. We have to trust that God can see the whole picture. While we live in a post-resurrection era where healing is available, we all still go through death, even if we experience healings. I think Keith Bailey offers some helpful insight. He says, The benefit of healing in the death of Christ, the atonement, does not demand that all who exercise faith must have perfect health any more than the benefit of salvation in the atonement demands that all who believe must manifest complete sinlessness. We still experience temptation and sin, and we will still experience sickness and death. This world is not perfect, this side of Jesus' second coming. The effects of sin still wreak havoc. But this is what the Bible says about the new creation that is to come. Revelation 21 verse 4 says, that God Himself will wipe away our tears, and that there will be no more death or mourning, or crying or pain, for the old order has passed away." Philippians 3:21 says, "Our lowly bodies will be transformed so they will be like Jesus' glorious body." 1 Corinthians 15 says, Our perishable bodies will be raised imperishable, raised in glory and power. Ultimately, we will dwell fully in the presence of God. This is our ultimate hope, and the hope we have, whether receive healing in this life or the next. Because of Jesus' resurrection, sorrow and death do not have the final word. Next question Am I sick because of my sin? Or, am I not being healed because of sin? The answer, not likely. First off, sickness, pain, and death are a reality because of the fall, because humanity chose to rebel against God. Sickness wasn't part of God's original design. When sin entered the world, it became fractured on many levels. Secondly, Jesus never said that an individual's sin was the cause of their sickness. In John chapter 9, Jesus makes this clear when his disciples asked if a man was born blind because of his sin or because of his parents' sin. Jesus says it was neither. Personal sin was not the cause. That being said, James 5.16 does encourage a sick person to confess their sins and pray so that they may be healed. So, this passage does suggest that sin could keep one from being healed, but... It does not say that their sin caused their sickness. Sin does separate us from God, who is the giver and sustainer of life. And therefore, continued repentance and confession is something to keep regular tabs on. This should be an ongoing reality for us. So yes, unrepentant sin is a possible thing to explore if healing is not coming, but it is not something to fixate on and to continue to add pressure to. Lots of harm has been done, by pressing people who aren't receiving healing. So church, please do not blame or shame someone who is sick because of sin or lack of faith. That's what Job's friends did in the book of Job, and they were scolded rather strongly by God himself. Rather, be present. Enter into and empathize with the sick. Continue to offer prayer for healing and comfort and the presence of God. Continue to remind those who are suffering that Jesus understands. Although Jesus healed, he wept at the tomb of a friend. He had compassion on those who were were sick, and he himself experienced pain and death. He knows. He sees you. He loves you. He died for you and for your eternal hope. He knows. Take comfort in the promise that he is always with you. We should also be seeking the healer, not just his healing. Seek relationship with the giver and not just his gifts. Relationship with God is at the core of our faith. Back in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John meet the man unable to walk outside the temple. And the temple was always a picture of where God's presence resides. And once healed, they walk and dance and jump into the temple or into God's presence in worship. Healing shouldn't be our ultimate goal. Jesus is. Healing is like a signpost meant to point to Jesus and not the other way around. The point of healing and the new creation is that you get to see and be with Jesus face to face. Healing is a foretaste of the life in the new creation. Therefore, this man born without the ability to walk didn't just get to walk for the rest of his earthly life, which could have been another 20 or 40 years, but now he gets to dance for eternity. And as Peter says in Acts 3.15, Jesus is the author of life, not death. Author John Eldridge encourages his readers to take a moment to ponder creation, to think about how creation speaks to the nature of God. Have you ever wondered how many fish are swimming in our oceans? Each year off the coast of Peru, seven billion sardines are harvested, and that is one tiny subspecies off one coastline. Many people pay a lot of money to have a few tropical fish in their homes, but there are entire seas filled with them. Think about a single tree right now whose branches are full of flowers. The life and design coursing through one tree is staggering. Have you ever stopped to think about how many trees are on this planet, or even just Grouse Mountain? Now think about the microscopic view of our world. There are hundreds to thousands of organisms in one single drop of pond water. Protozoans, amoebas, etc. One drop. How many drops fill a bucket or a pond? There's a lot of ponds on this planet. The Earth is like a massive petri dish, teeming with teeming and chopping with life in such staggering diversity and abundance. Science isn't even anywhere close to cataloging it all. John chapter one says, "All things were made through Jesus, and in Him was life, and that life was the light of mankind." And in John 10.10, Jesus, the author of life, says, I have come to you that you may have life and have it to the full. Jesus's healing power begins to bring about the restoration of our true humanity. The blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the disease and isolation is gone. Evil is cast out. Speaking about miracles, Jurgen Moltmann says, there are not supernatural miracles in a natural world. They, miracles, are the only truly natural thing in a world that is unnatural, demonized, and wounded. Jesus's healing is about restoring creation back to towards its intended purposes, and it points us towards an all-powerful, all-loving God who wants to hang out with you for like ever. So church... Cling to the hope of of Jesus's resurrection, a hope that will be fully restored and hope that healing really is possible. So let's pursue it. Remember, healing often happens when the church is reaching out on mission like Peter and Acts or like our trip to Mexico City. So let's pray with boldness and let's expect to see great things from a God whose name is the Lord who heals you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord of life, We thank you for the gift of life you give us. Open our eyes to see the beauty and wonder of life. Thank you for the resurrection and for the fact that through the resurrection, we know that death does not have the final word. We thank you that your resurrection gives us hope for healing. Jesus, we want to see your resurrection power at work in our church and in our city and in our lives. And Lord, for those who've lost loved ones and for those who are not being healed, God, we pray that your comfort and your love and your presence would be near them. We pray that you would heal them, and God, in all our trials, may we cling to the hope of our ultimate restoration in the life to come in the new creation. Amen.